Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're going to be doing our segment episode again today, and we are going through Piercing Heaven, um, and we are going to be on page 30, and it's by Philip Doddridge. Um, It's called Awake My Sleeping Heart. Um, Okay, guys. Um, I believe me and Lee read last time. Yep. Any volunteers? I'll, I'll read and... I'll read some. Okay. Well, we can all read. So we'll break it up. Um, I'll read the first four, and then you guys want to, or the first two or three. I'll read three. You read three, and someone can finish it out. Fine. 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 I'll I'll be the middleman. I'll be the middleman. Yeah, we'll end it on a good note. Yeah. So you're reading three, Scott? Yep. Okay. okay. Those are called Do stanzas. It. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> don't you don't you mockery me? Anyways. Actually, they don't. They have a setup like prose, so they're probably paragraphs. Now that I look at it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. Was wrong. Okay. Oh. Wake my sleeping heart. Oh, injured, neglected, provoked benefactor. When I think but for a moment of all your greatness and goodness, I am astonished at the indifference in my heart. I blush and cannot lift up my face before you. I have played the fool and made significant blunder, and yet this foolish heart of mine would make its having neglected you so long reason to keep neglecting you. Every one of your rational creatures should be all duty and love for you. Each heart should be full of a sense of your presence. A desire to please, you should swallow up every other desire. Yet you have not been in all my thoughts. In faith, the end and glory of my nature has been so strangely overlooked. I know if matters rest here, I perish. Yet I feel in my perverse nature a secret reluctance to pursue these thoughts. I am prone to lay them aside for now, or even to dismiss them entirely. My mind is perplexed and divided, but I am sure that you who made me knows what is best for me. So I ask that you will, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Do not let me delay until it is forever too late. 
Pluck me as a brand out of the burning. Break this fatal enchantment. Let me finally come to the place where I am not tempted to wish you never made me, or that you could forever forget me, the place where I fail to recognize my best hope and perish. O God, let me hear and obey you. Let your grace teach me the lesson I am so slow to learn, and let it conquer the strong opposition in my heart. Hear these broken cries for the sake of your Son. He has taught many others that are just as stubborn as I, and he can raise up children to Abraham out of these stones. Amen. 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 Dude, I like that. I like that prayer. That's a good one. Yeah, it's very good. I read that one the other day. Doddridge knows like, what's that's, up. That's a good one. Doddridge, yep. He is he becoming... He has become probably one of my favorite prayers to read um, as he goes throughout this. Philip Doddridge is all the way through this whole book. Um, I fell in love with this book, um, Piercing Heaven. Um, it's become probably one of my favorite devotionals. Yeah, as I, I haven't had it all that long, but um, as I'm reading through it, it's... I'm not going to say it's better than the Valley of Vision, but it's a wonderful companion to the Valley of Vision. And I might read it a little bit more just because it has updated English in it, so it's a little bit easier to read and a little bit easier to understand. Right. But the Valley of Vision is not hard to understand. I don't, I don't want people to like uh, turn away from it or whatever because it's kind of old old-fashioned english it's it's a great probably the best prayer book that any christian could have whether you're reformed or not yeah it kind of this prayer that he is um petitioning to god it, it's interesting um it kind of reminds me of psalm 71 um of a of a man for deliverance you know um wanting to be delivered from his sins, his uh, his desires of, of what he is being consumed by, by the world. Um, and I find it interesting that because when we finally are called by God and we have realized that we have been neglecting, as he is talking in the very first verse, um, oh, injured, neglected, provoked benefactor, when I think but for a moment of all your greatness and goodness, I am astonished at the indifference in my heart. I blush and cannot lift up my face before you. I am. Ash He's basically saying, I am ashamed. I am ashamed of my right. sin. I am ashamed of, of what I have been doing. I, I am not worthy of your grace, your your mercy, your goodness, your love and kindness. I, and and I, I think that's going with the psalmist here in Psalm 71 as well, um, where in verse 1 he's saying, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteous, righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the grasp of the wrongdoer, the ruthless man, for you are my hope. And this is this is interesting that this man and this prayer by Philip Doddridge, is, he is crying out to God in here. He is crying out. He's saying... Um, if I perish, uh, yet I feel preserve my secret reluctance and pursue these thoughts, I am prone to lay them aside for now. 
or even dismiss them entirely. My mind is perplexed and divided. He is wanting peace. He is wanting God to deliver him from his his worldly desires, and he doesn't want to succumb to the flesh anymore. Um, so I find this very interesting, and I think we can relate to it very well. Yeah, the that first uh, stanza, paragraph, whatever you want to call it, uh, where he's talking about he's he's seeing and he he's starting to grasp the greatness and goodness of God, and at the same time he still has indifference in his heart, and he's he's like you said, Scott, he's ashamed uh, before God, and a lot of people have this idea that. The Christian life, as soon as you become a Christian, you, you know, you completely turn from sin and which means you don't sin anymore. And that's not what it means. But what it is, is he's ashamed of his sin. He's ashamed that he still sins. He's ashamed. He's just, he's ashamed of himself and what he really is without God. Right. And that is what turning from your sin is. You hate your sin. You don't stop sinning. Yeah, it's kind of ironic if you think about it, because when you're a Christian, it's not, I mean, eventually you do sin less, but you become more and more aware of your sin the longer you're a Christian. Um, I think I've said this before, but it's like, it's like, um... I said this about sanctification. It's like you're standing in a dark room and someone has like a dimmer switch and you're like filthy, but you're in like a pitch black room and you can't see how dirty you are. And then someone's like slowly like lighting the room up slowly. And as it's starting to get lighter and lighter, you can see more and more of how dirty and disgusting you actually are. And that's really what sanctification is. That's, that's your journey of faith. Just a slow cleaning up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and we don't, and we notice an immediate transformation um, when, when Christ actually saves us. Um, but the transformation is not immediate for. It's you, really in our you, desires. Yes, yes. Not our, our desires. Are, exactly. Our behavior is not what comes. changes. It comes with time. But. It's our desire to want the word and want more of God rather than ourselves. Um, right. And that, that becomes, you, you, you remove the idols that were previously in your life. Um, they, they become meaningless. You know, they, they don't have their uh, glimmer or, or they don't draw you like they used to because they no longer provide what you need you know now yeah, no, they get hollowed out yes, yes you're no longer a slave to that you're right you're now you're now desiring you're, you're dead to it exactly yeah. you're desiring something that's actually going to give you life and sustain you and preserve you and and grant you eternal life with him and give you everlasting water and you'll never hunger or thirst again i, I mean this is this prayer is seeking that wholly and wholeheartedly right here. Um, but it's also real because those old desires and temptations still crawl in at times. Then you know, that's why Dodgers can say about halfway down that you talking about God, yet you have not been in all my thoughts. And faith, 
the end and glory of my nature has been so strangely overlooked because we yeah. do end up in in times and seasons where uh, old temptations can flood back and distract us from meditating on God's glory and reading the scripture and praying. Um, those things are those things really happen. You know, you're not exactly. a bad Christian because those yeah. happen. In fact, they happen because yeah, every- you're a Christian. Yeah, everybody gets in a funk every now and then, and uh, I say that like it's not a big deal, but it is, and uh, it, it's it's just something you have to keep, you have to work through, and you have to fight through, and eventually God will get you out of that and back where you belong, but it's it's a struggle, but it you know, really the, is, every day is a struggle. There's a whole subtext b- behind this verse uh, that has to do with the perseverance of the saints. Because there'd be no reason to pray this prayer if Doddridge didn't already believe that Christ was holding him fast, like we sing in the hymn, and that he would hear his cries and restore joy to his heart and restore his focus on his Savior. Um, if he right. didn't believe that, that Christ would do this, then he would be hopeless. But this is not a hopeless prayer at all. You know, this is a prayer of faith, even if it's... Uh, faltering faith uh imperfect faith right um but he does he does believe in in christ to to bring him back and restore his focus and restore his faith and um energize him again for the the long haul of of the christian life right because where you read lee he says so i ask that you will for your name's sake lead me and guide me do not delay until forever too late Pluck me and as a brand of the burning. Break this fatal enchantment. Let me finally come to a place where I am not tempted to wish you never made me or that you could forever forget me. The place where I fail to recognize my best hope and perish. He is, he is crying out to God that save me. You know, I don't, I don't want to think as my former self used to think. I, I want to be with you, n- no one else. And that yeah oh, go, go ahead finish your finish your no go finish ahead finish your thought i don't i don't remember where it was going <laughs> <laughs> you're all caught up in the glow, i was Ray. just yeah Ray. i was just gonna Help i was just gonna say that sentence let me finally come to a place where i am not tempted to wish you never made me uh that reminds me so much of when job starts his lament about right yeah everything at the beginning of job yeah yeah exactly Where he says he he wished he was never born and he was had been like dead at birth and all this stuff yeah he's it, it really reminded me of that yeah yeah so definitely i like this prayer it's really good um and i think uh y'all need to go out and get piercing heaven so go get it you can get it from amazon uh, I think it's like what twenty one bucks. I think so. Um, or get it from Reformation Heritage Books and support uh, Joel Beakey's uh, ministry there. Um, yeah, I'll I'll include a link to Reformation Heritage Books because I I think the price is the same, but I love uh, supporting Christian booksellers. Yeah, and I think uh, Banner of Truth is selling it as well. I think they might be. Yeah, I'm not I'm not positive, but uh, I'll definitely find links. I'm an Amazon guru so i love amazon but yes get the book check it out um if you guys want to find the link in the show notes 
And I think we're going to move on to the Tower of Babel. Yes. We're going to answer. So, so whose question on, are we answering? Yeah, so on Facebook, uh, back at the beginning of February, I put a post out there asking for questions. And one, Francisco Guerrero um, left. He actually left a couple questions, but I think we're just going to tackle one for this episode. Um, and it has to do with the Tower of Babel. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and read the question. Uh, in the passage about the Tower of Babel, what does God mean that anything that the people purposed to do wouldn't be impossible? Were they really going to reach him with their tower, or is it hyperbole? Why would God speak of people in this way, that they're capable of doing anything to the point that he has to intervene to ruin their plans? So, I really uh, liked this question. I ended up writing a blog about it, so I'll probably let you guys tackle the discussion, but I may just jump in here and there, but... Um, it is a really good question, and I think the way some people answer this question has affected some people's theology quite a bit uh, in sort of the Molinism or open theism type of arena. Right. So the Tower of Babel, um, it's in Genesis 11, um, and it begins um, right in verse 1. Um, and it starts with, and it's just a nine, nine verses. Um, it's a small little segment in the Bible, but it really, it literally towers throughout the whole entire scriptures. Um, and it, it becomes a sinful problem throughout the rest of humanity and time. Um, basically the tower of Babel was against, uh, the background of God's plan to construct a temple city on earth. Um, the account of the building of the city of Babel takes on a special significance, um, in my opinion, in spite of the brevity that it, it caused. The, the, it brings open, in the Genesis, it basically makes a notable climax here um, from Genesis 1 to 11. So it's kind of climaxing throughout here. Um, having turned away from God, people init they initially set about building a city exclusively for themselves. Um, the Babylon episode highlights two contrasting aspects of the human existence, the capacity of people to achieve great things and the hubris of humans who have rejected God's sovereignty over them. I love that word um, hubris, by the way. That's one of my favorite words. I know. I, I like when I get to it's use a great it. word. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, so while while in one sense the, the construction of Babel is a natural consequence of the people using, um, using divinely given abilities, um, they do without regard for the one who gifted them with these abilities. Um, their aspirations are to dethrone God, not only on earth, but in heaven as well. Um, constructed by people, for people alone, Babel is basically a mockery of what God intended for when he created humans and commissioned them to be his temple city builders. Um, Babel um, typifies every human enterprise that seeks to exalt the creature over the creator. Um, although Genesis reports of the building of Babel in exceptionally brief in these nice nine verses the city casts this long shadow over the whole bible that we see um, and and it does for a so a number of reasons um, babel 
is an archetypical godless city. Um, we see people uniting as one to make a name for themselves by building a tower that reaches up to the heavens, as we see in verses uh, 4. Um, they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and tower whose tops will reach into the heavens, and let us make for ourselves a name, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And they stop right here. Um, so let's take a look back at Adam and Eve, um, while Adam and Eve aspired to become like God in Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5, um, the inhabitants of Babel, they they were seeking to establish themselves as a supreme, um, not only on earth, but in heaven as well. Um, with an incredible arrogance, they tried to build a tower that will enable them to access heaven and take control of it is basically what they are going for here. Yeah, they want to supplant no. God. They want to take his place, you know. Yes. We're going to consolidate human uh, all all of humanity in one place here and uh, and build this tower to house us all um, which right. which essentially, you know, is is going to poke into the heavens. Now, right. granted, they couldn't build a tower so high that it would reach the throne room of Yahweh, but metaphorically, that's what they wanted to do. They want to get in, in God's space because people were meant to be on earth, um, and they're, they're not only going to—they're not going to spread across the whole earth. They're just going to keep themselves in one place and consolidate their earthly abilities. Right. Yeah, it's—, it's how I tried to answer this question was I built up from where you went to it, Scott, with the fall in, in chapter 3 of Genesis and what the serpent said to Eve that, uh, no, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And and then I, I built on that, and uh as Genesis continues up to chapter 11, we see in chapter 6, verse 5, that when the, when the Lord saw the, the human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, or heart, depending on your translation. Right. And, and then as we, as we move to 11, it's, it's a bit of a climax from that, and... Uh, I don't really have anything else to add that you've already you haven't already said except that it's not that the building of a tower itself is wrong it's why they were doing it and it was for their own glory not God's yeah it, it was human depravity on full display right. And I, right, and I think right, it's, I think we're missing the the kingly role that played in Babel as well. Um, if we remember back in chapter ten, we come across a guy named Nimrod. Um, yeah, he was back in he was the, in association with the powerful. Um, he was the powerful hunter Nimrod that was in chapter ten. I believe it's eight. Uh, yeah, 8 through yeah, yeah, 12. Yeah, it says, The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Aresh um, said, Like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Aresh, and acted, and... 
Kalnea in the land of Shinar. From the land he went forth into Assyria and built um, Nineveh and a Rehoboth, Ur, and Kala. No idea. Anyways, but so we, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not big on these Hebrew names. Don't really. I kind of just kind of. Yeah, I can wing tell. Them. I wing them. I just I like wing to them. laugh at you. You know, don't, don't, don't judge me. Anyways, so, so we come across this guy, Nimrod. Um, within Genesis 10, this this passage, it really stands apart. Um, it focuses on one person about whom a few selected details are recorded. Um, in the light of what is said concerning Nimrod, two aspects especially noteworthy. First is Nimrod is linked to Babel, um, Babylon. This is where his kingdom begins. However, from there, it extends to cities located in Assyria. Um, in short, Nimrod is credited for with building the Great City, a title that appears um, to cover a number of locations, in, including like Nineveh, Rezin, Kela, um, and Nimrod is a city builder of renown, and he is well known um, throughout the land. So this is really the whole premise of it's leading up to chapter 11 um in verse 1 um where these these men and women wanted to become gods themselves um nimrod is also designated as a powerful and mighty man or the hunter in sight of god as we saw in back in chapter 10 um this description ought to be viewed negatively um, while in the Hebrew text, 10.9 may legitimately be translated in the sight of the Lord, it could also mean opposite the Lord, um, facing the Lord, or facing up to the Lord. Um, these yeah, are different tr- like, different translations like that, that could be the possible meaning of what his name actually means. Um, the latter sense seems that it's appropriate in context of all that is said in Genesis 1 through 11, Nimrod's aggression as a person runs counter to what God intended um, when creation um, key commissioned people to rule the earth on his behalf. Um, we see in the early chapters of Genesis, um, God missioned people to rule over the earth, um, um, underlined basically for the rest of creation um we are to rule over every beast that what was it walks crawls swims flies in the air whatever anything right, right. um take dominion over the whole earth yeah i'm, I'm kind I of want to paraphrase i want to get here, back but. to i want to get back to another aspect of of the question because we've answered about half of it at this point but uh god's reply in verse seven um, okay. where God's method is going and uh, confusing the language. Um, in the question, he says, you know, why did God speak of people this way, um, that they're capable of doing anything? Um, because he says in verse 6, um, this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. And I think... I mean, to a certain degree, and maybe maybe you guys would agree or disagree, but this is kind of where I came down on it, is that that's not necessarily hyperbole, um, because it's, like I said before, 
it's total depravity on full display without the limiting hand of God on on the uh, on the people's uh, ability to exercise their depravity. So right. we've seen in, in other places in Scripture where God has restrained people's ability to act as evilly as they possibly could. Um, and I think this is an example here of, of people left with no spiritual interference from God at all, just hemming people in um, what kind of things they would purpose to do and may attempt to do. Now, I think it's a physical impossibility that they could have built a tower this high. But the whole point, like you said before, Scott uh, and Sean, uh, I think both of you touched on this, was the fact that the whole posture of their hearts and their intentions were to do so to disrespect God. Right. And I think it's it's actually an act of right. grace that instead of wiping them off the face of the earth like like he did with Noah, um, we're just saving a few people and wiping out the rest of humanity. Instead, he he changed their language so they couldn't communicate anymore. And uh, I think that's an incredible sign of grace. And this is all part of his will because we see, you know, in the fullness of the uh, special revelation in Scripture that different languages played a huge part in uh, the spread of the gospel. You know, the whole point of the the tongues of fire at Pentecost wasn't to come up with some sort of heavenly language that uh, authenticates that you're a believer. It was for the purposes of evangelism. So so God, through the use of, of languages, creating and giving these languages to people, spreading them out across the world, that that in the fullness of time through the gospel he would bring god would bring all of his people from the four corners of the earth uh speaking in in each people's language and bring them together uh under the under the blood and authority of christ right and he wanted to bring them back to the chosen land the the land that he promised um and basically here in the tower of babel they were making their own promised land you know they were they were going against god's entire right. covenant that he made um with noah yeah, and absolutely and later on with abraham um the plan was already in place but now they were making their own uh creation of their holy land they were making a temple to themselves that they they don't need God any longer. That now they can build whatever they want, you know, and they can reach the heavens. They can touch the stars. Um, they can conquer heaven as well, it, since they've already conquered earth. And and God was basically he. Um, I I've read this through. Uh, so I have a. It's called the Pentateuch as a narrative by uh, John Salehammer, and um, he he ends his passage with this this whole thing the story of the building of babylon ends with only a hint of a return to the land of blessing but in the continuation of genesis's narrative chapter 12 the next series of events bring god's plan into sharp focus the lord said to abraham leave your country your people and your father's household and go to the land i will show you i will bless you and i will make your name great he is the leading up to his promise that he is going to make a covenant with Abraham. And the tower was trying to thwart God's plan. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah it was I, a desire I, to thwart God's plan. 
Yeah, and yeah, I now we all know is... they didn't have they didn't have the ability to thwart God's it, plan at all. Exactly. They desired to, but God is sovereign, and He makes His will come to pass on earth just as it is in heaven, like we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Now these the foolish people didn't understand that, so they thought it was in their power to do so. But God certainly didn't. Even though he says, you know, what they purpose to do, nothing they purpose to do will be impossible for them in their own minds. Yeah, definitely, that's true. But he knew full well they wouldn't be able to build this tower that they built. But he did separate them uh, from their goal of of doing what they wanted to do in disrespecting God because he doesn't share his glory with, with anyone. Right. And, and it's kind of funny how, um, so if we look towards the covenant with Abraham and God promises to make Abraham's name great, um, and we look back at chapter 11 and 1 through 9, we see that these people wanted to make a name great for themselves. You know, it was, they were basically giving themselves what God was going to promise Abraham later on down the road. Um, and I don't really know how long the separation was from the Tower of Babel to Abraham, but um, this was generations, I would say. Um, let's see, where where did it say? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Anyways, but I, I think that this is kind of kind of interesting that is it mirrors the the aspiration of the what god was promising abraham which i thought was interesting uh, yeah our natural inclinations yeah. are always opposite of of god's will <laughs> yeah and it's this this chapter of genesis chapter 11 it's kind of it's obscure in ways but it's also placed here for a reason like you can see how it links the first 10 chapters of genesis to chapter 12 and on it's kind of like a it's like the linchpin that holds the book together and the two different it's like two different parts that get connected by this chapter yeah because like abraham after this we get we get zeroed it, in on abram and in the family right so this is kind of zero like this is the the linking that kind of gets you ready to zero in on Abraham and eventually Israel, the nation of Israel. So it's it's a very important chapter. It's pretty obscure, and I've always had a little bit of trouble in the past understanding the Tower of Babel. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot more important than what people think it is. Hopefully, hope we was... answered some sort of question in that. Yeah, whole I hope sense. that was helpful, Francisco. So, Francisco, we probably didn't answer your question at all. So, you know, yeah, you're gonna have to, we, you're gonna have to re-give we, us the question. You know, <laughs> and read my blog too. Maybe that'll help between the blog and our podcast. Uh, audio that's probably here, what caused him help. to ask the question. He probably read your blog and was like, what "No, are I read. These? I wrote the blog in response to his question. What are these quacks talking about?" You know. <laughs> All right, are we ready yeah. for? We just babbled. Yeah. Are we ready for some church signs? Oh, I'm ready for some church signs. All right. dun, dun. No one even cares about my joke. I said we just babbled. Ah, I didn't even hear you. That's hilarious. See what I did there? Yeah, you did a good one. That was good. Yeah, whatever. You did. Whatever. 
I believe in Church you. Church signs. All right, Sean, do you want to be the first guesser? Sure, whatever. All right. I'm going to win. I'm going to get my scorecard out here. Bum, bum, bum. Right. You're going down, Scotty. All right, Sean. The church sign game is... Uh, the content of church signs are read out uh, to each to each contestant. There are two contestants. And you have to guess whether the church sign is actually real or if it's been made up. So, and then whoever lies wins, and deception. Gets, lies gets my and deception. Yeah. So, <laughs> so get your deception sniffers out. All right, Sean. Here's your sign. Okay. God loves cake. <laughs> <laughs> Peter didn't need a surfboard to ride the waves. Only faith. Uh, I'm going to say that is fake. You would be correct. Yeah. Good job. Cowabunga, dude. Cowabunga. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Scott, here's yours. You may party in hell, but you'll be the barbecue. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Um. I'm going to go with real. You would be correct. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, no. What that church is, is from, that? That is from Our Savior's Church. I don't know where oh it is, but that's, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, shoot. That's, that's terrible. Funny. That, yeah. That's awful. <laughs> that's <bad. laughs> All right, Sean, you ready for your next one? Lay it on me. Tweet others as Hate you would me, like Jesus. to be. <laughs> Tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. I'm going to say that's real. You would be correct. Yeah, people trying to be relevant with the twitters. Uh, this you would like to know that this church is a United Methodist church that has a female pastor. Ah, <laughs> I was. I thought you were going to say this is Elevation Church. <laughs> Or no, it was just but right down the road. Probably get some inspiration from that. <laughs> they just need to get the word purpose in there somewhere. Or destiny yeah. or something. <laughs> Alright. Scott, next. Lay it on me, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Even when it's cloudy, the sun's always shining here. And a, a note sun is S O N. Hmm. I'm gonna save real. Incorrect. Uh, Incorrect. Way to go, Lee. Way to go. Thank you very much. I was really proud of that one. That was pretty good. Not gonna lie. That was good. (laughs) All right, Sean is up two to one at this point. Sean, are you ready for your next sign? Oh, I am. I was born ready. Okay. Looking for Pokemon or Jesus? Both found here. (laughs) Oh man! Would you like to say it again? I want that. I want that to be real. Do you do you believe it is real, or do you just want it to be real? Um, it's real. Are you sure? Do you need to step out in yes. faith? You're correct. It is real. <laughs> no way. That's that's a Baptist church right there. 
Oh, oh. Pokemon Go and Jesus. Yep. So this is a little We bit need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to get people to come in their church by saying we're a Pokemon yep. gym on Pokemon. Which it well, is they are. Because, <laughs> because there were different there were certain like public public places that um, were made spots like that on Pokemon Go. So like churches and parks and museums and some other ba- stuff. Basically a lot of safe places were made. Yeah. Um, libraries. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some other places like that. Yeah, the the uh, the Urbana Park has like three gyms in mm. it because it's so big. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is a big park. I literally <laughs> sat in between four gyms and it is magnificent so anyways <laughs> not that i played but <laughs> just admit it just go ahead and add me no i'm just kidding <laughs> all right scott you ready for your next one i'm ready all right pack a lunch church is done when the holy ghost says it's done yeah i'm gonna say a no mr lee you're gonna say that's false that's not a real sign Yep, I'm gonna say that's false. Yeah, you'd you'd be correct. That's not a real sign. Yeah, that one had just <laughs> just really caressed my body as soon as you said it. I was like, "Yep, that's <laughs> definitely not not a yep. correct one." All right, Sean is still up, but it's three to two now. Sean, you ready for your next one? Yes. You've been correct every time. I just want to say that. I know. Don't give me don't give me the pressure. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I'm gonna do two more questions after this. This or one more, one more after this. All right, Sean. Here's here's your potentially last sign. We're not DQ, but we have great Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I'm gonna say that's fake. You would be incorrect. Oh. That is a real sign from a Wesleyan church. Lord, of course, Lord, it, of course it would Wesleyan be. Church. <laughs> we have great Sundays. I believe. Oh man! I'm Clever sure. twist on the. I end believe there. the Lord's Day is always mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. All right, Scott, you have the chance to tie it up here if you get the if you get the right answer. You will not. Are you, get are you up to the challenge? I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was born Scott. in the dark. <laughs> I was born it, molded by it. <laughs> I was born in it, molded by it. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. That was impressive. You'll be in a padded cell forever. <laughs> I could go on. Anyway. All right, church, you have to ask this question in the Batman's. <laughs> Okay, alright, I can do that. <laughs> yep. Gossip is the devil's radio. Are you his DJ? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that one is a real one. Yes! You'd be correct! <laughs> Tiebreaker time. Oh my word. Oh man, this is getting time. heated. My you hands guys are sweating. Split it right down the middle, both three cracked and I'm, both with one incorrect. I uh, I'm sweating. Man. All right, yeah, this is this <laughs> is nervous. huge. This is huge. 
This is intense. I, I can't what take do, what it. What do we win again? My uh, my eternal respect. Oh, okay. Yeah, worthless. <laughs> I'll, br- I'll bring you guys some... Uh, um, Glow ray. Some mints uh, tomorrow morning. Angel dust. Ooh. Yeah, we don't do that here. Fog lights. Um. Okay, you guys ready? Yes. The first one to yep. give me an answer is the one that locks it in. Oh, sudden death. Mm-hmm. Dun dun dun. Oh okay. man. Okay. Shoot. Adam and Eve, the first people to not read the Apple terms and conditions. It's real. That's real. <laughs> oh, Scott got it. It is real. Ah! Got to it first. Wham, bam. That was was brutal. That's from St. Mark's Anglican Church. That was... The only thing that's good that ever came out of an Anglican church was J.C. Ryle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Guys, you had me sweating on that one. Dude, I was sweating. My heart was pounding. I thought I was going to have another heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Don't joke about I thought my defibrillator was going to go off. I was like, oh, we're getting up there. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. That was good. That was good. That was fun. All right. Well, where can they find us? You can. Uh, you can find us on the website, uh, guyswithbibles.com. You can find us on uh, iTunes or anywhere that you listen to your podcast, including at. Spotify. Just, uh, subscribe, including Spotify. Including well, Spotify. Spotify. Coming to you. Uh, this is Guys with Bibles. <laughs> and you can email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. And we're also part of the bar network of podcasts, so get on uh, get on the internets and check out the bar network of podcasts. There's check a, out our a show lot notes. of great shows on there. You can get, get linked to that. Yeah, all the links are in the show yep. notes to our brother and sister podcasts and their websites. And that's all I got. And this is Guys with Bibles, and we're out. And this is Guys with Bibles, and we're out. I literally jumped out of my chair. I almost peed. I'm pretty sure I pedaled. Swear to me! Swear to me! I'm done.